Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. This week on the podcast, we've got Jacob Croyle, Hello. Rob Croyle, Hello. and myself, Logan Daly. Glad to have you with us. Today we are in the second week of our Advent series. Talked about peace, uh, peace being synonymous with Christ was the implication um, that if you are bringing peace to the world, you're bringing Christ to the world. If you're bringing Christ to the world, you're bringing peace to the world. Did I sum that up all right there, Rob? Yeah, seemed it seemed all right. Seemed seemed roughly right. Roughly right. Uh, you know, I'm all about that life. I'm all about that life. I fully embrace that core value, even though I hate it. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. But nonetheless, we are here in our second week of Advent, and we got some, a couple various things we wanted to talk about, just to add to the fun, so to speak, Um, supplement the learning, if you will, help us to dig into the text a little bit more, maybe. Mm. Uh, First thing off, though, is to mention that your sermon was, according to Jacob, too short, um, so congratulations. You're, You're bringing welcome. our average down. Uh, well done. Well done. I'm entirely okay with that. I think short and sweet is real good. Real good. I don't, I don't know why you'd complain about that, Jacob. I always want longer. <laughs> just, just You just need more sermon. More he sermon in your life. Must be conditioned. He does. Bit, you know, I, I can see how Catalonian. growing up with you, Rob, growing up, he would be conditioned to want to hear the sound of your voice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> that just happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Ooh. let's uh let's let's jump into uh let's talk about uh the Essenes. We're going to talk about John the Baptist and the Essenes and all sorts of good stuff here, but uh let's start off with the Essenes maybe. Sure. Uh so we're told in Matthew 3 that John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and um, I don't know what you picture when you picture wilderness. What do you guys picture when you picture wilderness in this part of the world? In that part of the world? Oh, in this part of the world. Oh, in this part of the world. Yeah. Uh, Well, wilderness is usually foresty, or, I mean, it could be like open plains, I guess. Just broad expanses of area with nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, thousands and thousands of miles, but probably lots of trees. Probably so. And Jake, I know you've been to the Judean wilderness. I have. So Logan, uh, what do you picture as the wilderness that's in uh, in Judea? In Judea, uh, in my mind, because I know that area is kind of deserty. Right. So I picture southern Idaho because that's, or maybe the Southwest. Like I'm picturing desert. Like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's even close, though. Yeah, it's kind of a, a rolling hill desert area. Um, rocks upon rocks. Rocks on rocks, okay. Not a lot of vegetation. So like rolling hills Palouse, but without anything growing. With, yeah, like like someone forgot to lay seed there for centuries. Okay. Yeah, and some some places with some very steep like 
steep valleys, um, depending on which area of that desert you're in. Uh, the ground's very hardened, and when it rains, <clears throat> it collects into certain areas r- really quickly and into what's called a wadi. Okay. And you can have flash floods in those wadis. Okay, so that, that is that is like New Mexico. You would get those down there. Right. Um, from what I've seen personally, when I was down in Utah, southern Utah, mm-hmm. and the Judean area were very, very similar. So John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness of Judea, kind of a strange place to be preaching. Like, not your typical, let's, let's throw up a tent and let's have a revival right here location. This doesn't seem like there, there wouldn't be a lot of people out there, right? No. So he's drawing people to him. He is. Okay. He is. And um, in verse 3 of Matthew 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, the way that is translated, um, some commentators would say that that is not the best translation. Okay. Um, That the emphasis is... In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So he's not the one, it's not the voice of one crying in the wilderness. It's in the wilderness, it's a voice, it's a voice calling. Huh. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Which, which brings us to the Essenes, because what the Essenes did is they went to the Judean wilderness. Yeah. And they went to great... Um, they put a lot of effort into creating this community where they could have, uh, where they could collect water. They, they, uh, they well, they had to build aqueducts essentially to get water to them, right? Get water to them. Uh, mm-hmm. They and there were two things that they really kind of focused on. One was uh, the purity laws, which meant a lot of mikvah. Ritual cleansings, yeah. Ritual cleansings. And then the other was focusing on the text. Okay. And um, I think you've got some... Yeah, so I got a little I got a little history on the Essenes here. A little something-something. A little something-something. <coughs> me, 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 me. Uh, this is coming out of the Ray Vanderlyn uh, Life and Ministry of the Messiah uh, Discovery Guide, which uh, complements his video series I've been going through with some people. All right. And so this this uh, episode was on the Essenes. And so here's a little a little history on the Essenes. The story of the Essenes began in a sense in 167 BC when the Jewish Hasmoneans or the Maccabees overthrew their Greek rulers. For the first time in 500 years the Jews were independent. But the Hasmoneans became as Hellenistic as the Greeks who had ruled before them. When they appointed an openly Hellenistic high priest Two separate groups of devout Jews, the Pharisees and the Essenes, formed to oppose Hasmonean authority in the temple. The mm-hmm. Essenes were devout Jewish separatists who left the city and temple for periods of time in order to establish alternative and, in their minds, more holy ways of worshiping and honoring Yahweh. There were Essene communities in Galilee, Judea, and even Jerusalem, but most Essenes studied in Qumran, the community by the Dead Sea. Now, this is, uh, just from the video, this is not a pleasant place to live. No. Like, no. this is hot and gross, and there's nothing out there. Absolutely nothing out there. Like, it, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, 
what you would never choose to do this for comfort. Um, believing that they have been called to isolate themselves from the spiritual darkness of Hellenistic society and live in right relationship with God. The Essenes sought to create a new system of purity. When the Messiah arrived, an event they believed was imminent, they wanted him to find people who were prepared to battle the forces of spiritual darkness and reestablish the true priesthood and the true kingship of David. Um, so a couple of bullet points here, how they influenced the theological climate of the Jews for 200 years. Um, <clears throat> they used copper, leather, and parchment, and they wrote extensively about their lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, the coming Messiah, and the exciting new age that would soon arrive. They wrote out nearly all of the books of the Old Testament and developed theological concepts and practices quite similar to those of early Christians. For example, they practiced a form of ritual cleansing by water that is similar to baptism. This is the mikveh that we were talking about. Used many words and phrases that later appeared in New Testament writings in a method of scripture interpretation similar to one early Christians used. Communal lifestyle similar to that of early Christians. Believed in justification by faith called themselves the new Israel and thought of themselves as sons of spiritual light who were preparing the way for the Lord by obeying the truth and not compromising with evil. Hmm. Um, and they thought that they were going to usher in Messiah with this. And it's because of them, and we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we right. have much of like much of our Bible is in, you know. Well, we can verify that, the, that much of our Bible... Was, has remained unchanged. Has remained unchanged yeah, and yeah. predates Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Because of the scrolls that um, we have, and and they were found in nineteen, starting in nineteen forty seven, and then I think it was a dozen years later, and there's another group, but there's over two hundred and thirty some odd scrolls that they found. Mm-hmm. They they had such a reverence for the scriptures that they wrote it out over and over and over again, but they would not destroy, you know, a scroll. Once they completed the scroll, they would not destroy it. And so what they would do is they put it into a clay pot and mm-hmm. they start storing these up into these... Up in the caves. Up in these caves where the where a shepherd boy, uh, a Muslim shepherd boy, uh, found these scrolls, uh, I think it was 1947, 46, 47, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, prior to that point, you know, there was a lot of debate of, well, how trustworthy are the, the scriptures? Sure. How did uh, they, it's like a big game of telephone through the years. So how did they get, did they get messed up? Right. Are they yeah. different today, you know? And so, and having the sheer number of scrolls and be able to date the scrolls has mm-hmm. been has been a huge find. So, very interesting. But uh, the Essenes were isolationist. I think you read that. Yeah, they they were very isolationist. They would they went off into this place where no one else wanted to be. They lived their own life, and they said, you know. We're just, they saw that the Hellenistic culture, which would be the, the culture that embraced the Greeks' lifestyle. Right. Um, hedonistic, that sort of, that sort of stuff. Um, it would be comparable to, like, if you were in today's, for, for 20th century America, like, if we embrace the iPhone, we embrace, you know, technology and, 
you know, cars and all of the coolest stuff that we have. And we love movies and pop culture and music and radio and all of this stuff. And then we compare that to, say, like the Amish. Right. Amish would be isolationist in the way that the Essenes were from Hellenistic culture. Mm-hmm. Well, and the I Essenes, think that's a fair, a fair they, comparison. And going out to Qumran, they, uh, they took this from the Scripture. They took this from Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And, and in their minds, if they observe the purity laws, if they focus on Scripture, if they devoted themselves to this task, that Messiah would come. And they weren't wrong. Yeah. I mean, Messiah came. They were not wrong. And uh, I remember I heard a teaching, I think it was from Marty, that... Uh, where Jesus did show up and start his ministry, which was with John the Baptist. Right. Um, where where John the Baptist was baptizing people was within eyeshot of Qumran. Yep. Which and, is kind um, of a little nod, like, hey, guys, good job. Well, and what's interesting to me is that John the Baptist, he seems to have Essene influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, was probably raised within an Essene community, and yet he diverts a little bit because he actually engages culture. Yep, which brings about the kind of the weak side of the Essene movement um, when compared to, say, like the Pharisaical movement or the uh, the Zealots or any any of these other groups that were trying to bring about Messiah or figure out how to walk out living out God's you know design for them. Um, with the Essenes, they, they were isolationist. And so they didn't have any, they didn't, they had impact in culture, but they didn't have the same impact in the culture as they would have, if they would have remained in the culture. Right. And so John the Baptist definitely flips that on his head a little bit when he's, I mean, he's like you were saying, he's preaching and baptizing people and drawing, drawing crowds to him. This is not, that wouldn't have been necessarily normal Essene. No behavior no so and i think that you know as as john the baptist uh, prepared people for the first advent of christ we are called to prepare people for the second advent of christ to engage with culture to uh, invite people into the conversation where they could come to know who christ is so i think that's a you know, from an Advent standpoint, uh, thinking about John the Baptist and and his lifestyle, and and even the the wrestling he had later on, where he's like, "Are you the one? Like, are mm-hmm. you? Have I been? <laughs> have I been right about this? You know, my you know, is my theology correct? You know, like he wrestled, sure, and uh, and Jesus used scripture to to uh, say, "Yeah, yep, you're on target." Don't lose, don't lose faith. So good stuff. So that's John the Baptist and the Essenes. Cool. Speaking of John, uh, he dressed a he dressed a little weird, right? He did, he did. So he wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt. And if you 
If we knew if we knew our Old Testament text really, really well, what might that conjure up in our brains, Jacob? Elijah. There you go. So John the Baptist goes running around dressed up like Elijah. And I'm I think he does get confused for Elijah. People ask him, Are you Elijah? Mm-hmm. On on occasion, which I uh, when I hear that I always think of uh, he's like cosplaying, <laughs> he's cosplaying <laughs> Elijah. Like, oh, you're at Comic Con. Oh, dude, are you supposed to be Elijah? Anyway, yeah. Well, it, uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, Elijah was a very popular prophet at this time, um, partially because he was one of the angry, well, probably the angriest prophet, um, and. You know, he spent a lot of his time uh, kind of critiquing, not not the priesthood, because at the time, the priesthood, I don't know, wasn't too bad. But, you know, the the king, who was the leaders of, leader of the sure. Jews. Uh, and so, but at this time, it was the, the, the priests that were in charge. So he, he kind of does that. And also, I guess he does kind of, well, that's why the, the Pharisees loved Elijah. Hmm. Um, was because they didn't love the chief priests. They didn't love the chief priests. Um, and 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 they saw a lot of similarities in uh, the people that Elijah was critiquing, and and these guys, and and Elijah was known for like his fire. Like the the Pharisees loved him, the uh, zealots loved him. He was uh, classic. Yeah, like he was their number one. This is who we want right now we want him to come back um because he's going to call upon the lord and he's going to bring uh fire and brimstone a little uh, little holy vengeance down exactly exactly it's gonna be good be a good time um which for me not for the people that are getting the holy vengeance yeah don't laugh at elijah apparently that's a bad deal <laughs> that was elisha but uh, <laughs> oh, was that elisha that was because that was that was right when elisha started his ministry well, I don't know if you'd call that a mystery, but <laughs> <laughs> noted. But uh, yeah, well, and it's interesting because like the story of Elijah is kind of that um, Elijah. Um, he had the heart; he understood the heart of God, but he definitely didn't have God's like. Well, actually, I don't know if I'd say he had the, understood the heart. He understood God's law for sure. Hmm. Um, but the hard thing was like, he wanted to punish, uh, without any, he didn't, he didn't care about innocence getting in the way. And and I don't know if I'd say he didn't care about it, but like he, he didn't, he was so focused, singularly focused on God needs to carry out judgment and mm-hmm. justice and this needs to happen and Nineveh needs to burn and, oh wait, that's Jonah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Jesus comes in. He kind of says a similar thing to what uh, uh, what God had to say to Elijah, where he's like, "Look, guys, like we're, we need to care about people. I'm not here to like bring the sword, mm. you know." Um, so, so it's kind of interesting because, and they kind of wanted to see Elijah in John, um, and, and John was doing some stuff there, and. Uh, that's for sure. 
and Elijah and John actually probably wanted Elijah too. Um, we can kind of see this in some of the ways that he talked because he talked a lot about like, um, repent now for the kingdom is here. Um, cause a lot of what the Essenes believed was that, uh, that when kingdom was coming, you know, it, it was going to be uh, a revolution. Mm. That's what a lot of, a lot of people thought. I think all, pretty much all of the Jews thought that. There was the theory. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't as popular. But it was around um, before Jesus. What Jesus ended up saying, where I was like, "No, it's going to be a slow burn. <laughs> like I'm coming to change culture and like to change people, not to kill, overthrow. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it did exist. It definitely wasn't as popular though. Hmm. And it's hard because they were under oppression. You know, yeah. like if you're under oppression, it's harder to accept the. Uh, yeah, we're going to just continue with the status quo and slowly make changes to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. That is tough. I wouldn't like that. Nope. I'd firmly be a zealot. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've accepted that fact about myself. I'd be I'd be shanking Romans. <laughs> <laughs> Lord forgive me. Lord forgive me. I'd be good at it though. Shank it so good. Shankaponymous. So that's what. <laughs> well, that's part of what people think <laughs> when John the Baptist approached Jesus and was like, "Hey, are, you're, you're you're him, right? Like, I'm right. You are the Messiah, right?" <laughs> hmm. um, because it was like, "Hey, I thought it was going like this." He's just like, "No, I'm the Messiah." Uh, and you just kind of you missed that part a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so is it I, I feel like it's a fair statement to say because John is cosplaying Elijah, mm-hmm. there's definitely some correlations between John's message and Elijah's message. He's yes. pro- it's it's probably a safe assumption to say that John is trying to call people's memories back to what Elijah was saying. Mm-hmm. Is that I feel like that's a, a fair thing to read into the text there. Yeah, and there's um and it's very much it seems to be very much about my my motives, my personal actions, my but almost devoid of of community. Like you take the person out of community and you and you fix the person. But wait a minute, no, this is supposed to be lived out in community. Mm. And so this isolationist view, you know, and, and I've and I've seen this with even among some Christian friends, where it's just like, well, I'm gonna hang out with my Christian friends and no one else, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna make sure no one. I'm not gonna get tainted. Not yeah, I'm not gonna get not tainted because we might, you know. Nope, nope, I'm not gonna. I can't hang out with them because that might be, that might drag me down. Which, when you when we look at the metaphor of Jesus being light, like light doesn't go away from darkness; light moves into darkness. Mm-hmm. And um, and the and the rabbis even today will tell you that Israel's problem is that they refuse to engage their neighbors. Mm. Like like they tried to try to stay back. Like they didn't fully take the promised land because they refused to engage their neighbors yeah. and and 
and that became problematic. And and so we should be the greater influence in any relationship that we have. Yeah. But you can't have influence if you don't dis- have a relationship. If you disengage, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it always. I've seen this a couple of times um, in my my short wee years that uh, you know I've seen isolationist type people. Um, in fact, a couple of whole groups of them, um, and it it always struck me as funny because they were they were trying to protect themselves, right, from being. <coughs> subverted by the culture or something you know polluted corrupted by the culture Mm -hmm. it was it was out of this fear of being corrupted by the culture right um and it it always struck me as ironic because in in choosing that they were choosing to live out this fear and we're not supposed to live out of fear so that's that's not that's not after the heart of god the other aspect is if you if you really believe that you know God God has saved you and and by grace like you're covered and you're good and it doesn't matter where you've come from or or where you're at like Jesus has got you right um, then why would you ever be terrified to go into any situation? Because you've already, for fear of being corrupted by it, because you're living under grace. It always struck me as ironic. Like, how did we miss that? And it it almost turns it into, well, yeah, sure, grace got us here, and then works are going to keep us here. Right. Right. And I feel like that is wildly wrong. Um, I think that that's, and it's, it's not, you know, it's not that that's not an easy thing to fall into and fall prey to. I think we see that in our churches a lot. Um, now, what's interesting is God uses the Essenes because sure. we don't we don't have the scrolls today, and and so God preserved His scriptures, preserved the authenticity of His scriptures through the through the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, through this Essene community. Yeah, so, and there's there's no. The, it's not saying that there's anything like they didn't do anything right. They did a lot of things right. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, so yeah, so there's this balance, and I think we have to kind of live our lives before the Lord and go, Lord, what is it you calling me to? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Maybe He calls some people to be isolationists. I, I can't answer that question, but I do know that He's called us to engage. Yeah, and that's what we're going to live out as a church. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know whether he does call people to to isolate. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe maybe if if you've been called by the Lord to isolate, send me a like carrier pigeon. Because um, <laughs> he will engage. Or or you can send me an email or something. Are you hearing this podcast? Um, we'll leave you alone. But uh, I just want to know you're out there. Raise your hand right now. Yeah, raise <laughs> your hand right now. <laughs> By yourself. By yourself. Uh, no, that's I, I. I am curious about that though, because uh, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to me that that would be the case. Right. Like I don't see. I think it, it's it's usually despite. 
like within the Essenes case, it's despite their isolationism, God uses them. Or, uh, you know, to the zealots, despite their anger, mm. God uses them. Or, you know, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, which makes me wonder what, how he uses me despite my. <laughs> oh, sure. Like, what, where's my, where's my fatal flaw? Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to, go down a rabbit hole of self-reflection. What is what is my flaw that's stopping me from living out God's kingdom mm. the best way possible? Mm. I might be super effective for it. Full-on Essene, like, super effective. But how much better could it have been? Sure. Yeah. No, that's, sure. A, that's a really good question to ask yourself. Some tasty stuff right there. Yeah, because sometimes we spend all of our energy trying to figure out how other people are not living for God instead of taking the time to go, man, in what ways am I not living the way God wants me to live and not stepping up to what he has called me to? Sure. So I, I think of the, of the <clears throat> verse that says, don't judge another man's servant. Mm. Because the servant may be doing exactly what the other, what, what the other master asked him to do. Yeah to do. Hey, you I used, don't know. When I was in the military, I used to have guys come to me and go, man, I got yelled at by Sergeant so-and-so for this. I'm like, that's exactly what I told you to do. I know. <laughs> I'm supposed to be so mad. It's like, I go to them, what, what are you doing get on the case of my airmen for? I'm like, they're doing exactly what they're told to do. Oh, I, I didn't know. I'm like, <laughs> come and ask me. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, cool. maybe, maybe God's calling some people to be isolationists and, and God's going to use them. I, I don't know. But but I know uh, for us as a church, he's called us to engage and engage well, which means being the greater influence in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Got to get into the mess. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's wrap her up here with a little discussion about a brood of vipers. You know, uh, use that insult the next time you want to roast somebody real good. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Probably going to use it at care group. Perfect. There I you mean, go. the next time you all get out of control, that's what I'm going to throw out there. Um, yeah, this is a shocking statement and um, when you understand it from a historical context it's maybe even uh, more shocking because ancients thought that some kinds of vipers ate their way out of their mothers that's not a nice brood that is not a nice brood uh, it's bad enough to be called a that's viper that's very brood <laughs> how very very socially unacceptable and brood why are you so brood why you gotta be so brood? <laughs> oh, uh, that's I, I apologize. That was brood of me. We were swift to uh, <laughs> pull that out. Uh, but to uh, so to be called a viper is one thing, but to say that you, not only a viper, but you you killed your mom or your dad in the process, yeah, of being born. That's that's socially a no no. Uh, well, it goes against you know one of the Ten Commandments for sure. I think that hits two of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although maybe it's an honor killing. 
<laughs> I don't know where we just went there, but anyway. I'm justifying patricide. No so, big deal. Welcome uh, to Mission Ridge. <laughs> so Elijah is using very stark, very prophet-esque language here. Yep. And uh, it's used to uh, wake the reader, wake the hearer up. And uh, because his next statement in verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, Mm. is the thing that he really wants them to wrestle with. Hmm. And so anything he said before that, whatever, milk toast. But now it's time to pay attention. Gotcha. And then the bear fruit with keeping fruit, you know, I I picture uh, Psalm 1, a tree... You know, a good tree is going to be, you know, or, or some a faithful person is going to bear fruit in due season. And, um, and Elijah, or Elijah, John the Baptist, he's saying, are you bearing fruit? Mm. Are you really considering? Are you really considering? Or, he says, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Or, are you relying on your rich heritage, which they had a very rich heritage. They had a heritage of faithful, faithful, faithful <coughs> men and women sure. pursuing the Lord. And the thing is, we can't depend on what the previous generation did. We have to depend on what we are doing hmm. today. Hmm. I like it. Good stuff. So don't be a brood of vipers. Don't be a brood of vipers. Don't be a, yeah, Jacob. Don't be a brood of vipers. Don't let Logan commit patricide. It might be an honor killing. <laughs> oh boy! Yikes. Yikes! Yikes! I need more sleep in my life. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. All right. Well, that is a uh, that has been a delightful episode of Footnotes. Here, I, I've had fun. I don't know, maybe maybe y'all have not had fun, but uh, hopefully you have enjoyed this, and this has uh, been something good for your day. Uh, we'd love to have you join us if you're in the Missoula area. Hit us up on a Sunday, ten thirty service, and uh, if not, we will uh, catch you on the flip side. Peace. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes.